This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. What's up, everybody? Today, I'm really excited to have a guest, Shay Davis, from Across the Pond Podcast to talk about the nil-nil draw in the Merseyside Derby against Liverpool and the implications that has for both sides, Liverpool's title chase and Everton through the remaining season. Then he's going to help dive into the tactics Newcastle might implore on the weekend. And then James and I will do our official Newcastle pre-match. Shay, how you doing? Good, good. Glad to be on. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Just so everyone can get to know you a little bit, how long have you been doing Across the Pond with the other guys? Yeah, it's been, you know, it feels like it was just yesterday because we still are in some ways just chatting on our couches like we would have before the podcast. But I've been doing the podcast Across the Pond with with those group of guys for almost uh, five seasons now, five full Premier League seasons. That's awesome. So do you... Well, let me ask you this. What is your favorite thing? If you had to pick one thing, what's your favorite thing about doing the podcast with your buddies? Yeah, honestly, for me, it just gives me a chance to to just say some outlandish things and that people actually listen to it. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously, we strive for, you know, good content and accurate information. But, you know, I, I think those guys would agree that I'm kind of the wild card in just my hot takes on the pod. So, so that's probably my favorite part of it. See, that's funny if... if- People listening can kind of connect that with myself. I am a huge fan of hot takes, so maybe this will be pretty interesting. (laughs) So diving into it, Everton drew Liverpool nil-nil at home in the Merseyside Derby, the second leg, if you will. What did you think about the match if you caught it? Otherwise, you know, what what do you think the implications are in terms of Liverpool's title race? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, I was, we were watching you know, very closely. And I, I was not, I will say I was not expecting a nil-nil draw. Um, And I know this was, I was keen to see how Pickford would perform because like you said, it's the second leg and the first leg, he made that pretty, uh, pretty wild mistake to allow Vigi to score in 96 minutes. So uh, thanks for reminding me. Yeah. Yeah. It was a a (laughs) bit of a, you know, it was just not what I was expecting. You know, after the first leg, which was pretty crazy. And then this one, which was much more tame. What do you think the implications are? First off, we'll start with Liverpool and their their title race now that they are officially in, in second place, even on, on matches played with Manchester City. It was a huge result for Everton. I think uh, even bigger disappointment for Liverpool. They've struggled away from home as of recently in the, in the new year, in 2019 calendar year. Uh, they've only scored three goals in the last five away goals, away games, sorry. So, you know, it's... It, you can look at it in two different ways. And we talked about this on our pod the other night is it's either Liverpool is starting to let those nerves get to them. You know, we don't want to accidentally see them slip in <laughs> and uh, miss a trophy again, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> or, or it could be a matter of Klopp playing conservative and saying, Hey, you know, we, we score so many goals, we perform so well at home. I don't want to lose a trophy by having to slip up on the road. So I'm going to kind of hold back a little bit. That makes sense. So in terms of, you know, if he plays conservative, right, which even then they, they've kind of had an issue scoring goals or, or their front three being consistent. Do you think that they have a realistic chance to still win the title, seeing as how Manchester City are starting to perform a little bit more consistently and they seem to be 
uh, pretty hot. Yeah, I mean, Manchester City is hot, just like you said. So that that doesn't play to Liverpool's favor. Um, looking at the schedule, Manchester City still has to play Man United. They have a harder schedule. So I'm not going to count Liverpool out. I had them in the beginning of the season being my trophy winners. Um, and I still think they can do it. But it really is just going to come down to can Man City last through the Champions League? Are they going to prioritize FA Cup? in addition to the Premier League, right? Because I think what we've known Pep for is historically winning league trophies. What he's been less known for since his time in Barca is winning Champions League trophies, right? So it's just a matter of can they withstand all these games without Liverpool making a pushback in the last part of the season? That makes sense. I'm going to assume that me saying I'd prefer Man City winning the title is is going to go against... uh, everything you live for seeing is how you're, you're, you're a Manchester United fan. Yeah, but come on. We, we can't I'm, have another year. <laughs> we can't have another year of Man City, though. It's not, it's not good for anybody. Well, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. But uh, so in, in terms of Everton, how do you think that kind of pushes them forward or does it push them forward the rest of the season? You mean as far as this draw is all, right? Right. Yeah. Well, they, they desperately need this. I think that's clear to all of us, right? They... Before this, had one win in the last four games. Um, you know, they needed this result to kind of just solidify their place and make sure that they stay out of that discussion of dropping from the top half of the table to the bottom half of the table. And I think what was even more impressive, and you can say it's to the deficit of Liverpool, being able to finish the chances, because we did see Salah with a handful of chances. I think what was even more impressive is that you held a Liverpool team, which may have the best attacking force in the Premier League to a nil-no draw. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think I think we are all hoping that Everton kind of push forward and finish off the season strong. Let's move into the Newcastle match coming up on the weekend. So you're pretty familiar with Newcastle. How would you expect them to set up? Yeah, so this is one of the many jokes and one of the many reasons why I constantly get roasted on across the pond is because... Uh, I am a fan of many teams in Premier League, and Newcastle is one of them. Um, not particularly for a good reason why I'm a fan, but I just have been a fan for quite a while now. So, you know, I keep my ears, you know, my eyes a little bit aligned with Newcastle and how they do on a week basis. And one of the things I've seen is that they really don't change their formation week to week, right? Like, they're, they're pretty set. They don't have – and it's not a matter of depth, so it's just more so just knowing their best eleven. They haven't made any change to the attack, you know, to the forward five, the front five in the last four games with Rondon at the top and then Amarone out wing. Sorry, since Amarone joined. Um, so I expect him in that in that 5-4-1 formation where the wing backs really push up. And you may see uh, if it's Yedlin starting or if it's Mavici starting, you may see them push up a little bit more and try to you know, cross some balls in or get an attacking force. But otherwise, it's going to be you know, all bond on the whole game, trying to trying to break down the back line of Everton. Where do you think, obviously you're saying that their strengths would be Rondon playing that center forward role and attacking on the flanks. So where do you think, other than obviously just the center backs trying to contain Rondon as, as best as possible, where do you think they need to focus the most on the pitch to kind of neutralize that, but also be able to gain the upper hand? I think... Amarone and and the youngster that they have on their team, Longstar, Longstaff, sorry, are really gonna have to work that midfield, right? They, you know, we've seen some positives 
from the changeup since Amaron came, um, you know, kind of kicking, kicking Atsu to the bench. And Longstaff, which is who is a 21-year-old Newcastle Academy player, you know, has the support of the fans kind of getting injected into the lineup. So I think if they can push forward with that with that paciness they have and that good ball control with, with players like Amaron, with Perez, uh, I think that's where they're going to win the game. Okay, that's good insight. So let me ask you this. Where do you think their biggest weakness is? I, I don't think they score enough goals. So if that's a weakness, then that's the issue. I think what I've seen from Newcastle this season is that they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. So from the teams that are mid-table lower, they're consistently performing pretty well, right? We saw what some may call a fluke win against Man City 2-1 uh, earlier this year, but they just don't score enough goals for me, right? That's something that Everton does much better than Newcastle is actual shots to goal production. And while they may control possession, I, that's why I believe really was harping on Rondon. I think he's going to need to have a great game. He's he's had seven goals this season. That's about what he usually averages for a season. So you know nothing spectacular there. But the rest of the team needs to kind of step up. They don't really have any other threat that I would see actually finishing quality chances. That makes sense. And then with Almiron's move from Atlanta United in the MLS to Newcastle, I believe in his first appearance he had like six chances created or something, didn't he? Yeah. I don't know exactly, so, but he definitely had a great uh, opening game. Do you think that with Almiron being introduced, obviously he'll start assuming he's fit. I think that's that's a given. Yeah. Do you think that, that that might kind of open up quite a few more opportunities for Newcastle to score and, and be a whole lot more dangerous against Everton? Yeah, well, he did very well. So he saw, I got a chance to see Almiron quite a bit in Atlanta for Atlanta United before I moved up to DC. And what I noticed is that he is good with, like as you mentioned, creating opportunities, right? He's great with ball control going forward and creating opportunities. Jose Martinez was the leading goal scorer in MLS by far. And I think that plays a huge part to Amaron. Now, I know we're not talking about the MLS, so this is a whole different game. I mean, you got quality strikers on Everton. Zuma, you got, you know, pacey players in the midfield for Everton. You got a great goalie in Pickford. So it's a whole different game. But Almiron's going to be pivotal to create those chances for Rondon. Or, again, coming from the flanks, Mavici or Yedlin, whoever's starting, creating those chances to, to, to kind of create some space for Rondon to, to run free. Is it okay if I ask you a question? So, you know, as you guys are the resident Everton fans, what would be a satisfying season given where Everton is right now? That's a good question. I think, and you know, I, I actually was, was battling with the idea of asking you that question earlier on, but... <laughs> So I think the main focus essentially, and, and this is kind of what I harp on, on Reddit, on Twitter, obviously on the podcast, the main focus needs to be essentially continuing to try different options in terms of the players that we have and seeing what exactly we have set for next season, right? You know, the two strikers, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Jake Tosin, they haven't found any form or really cemented themselves in the team in terms of wingers, right? Richarlison, Bernard, Theo Walcott, Lookman can't get a look in for some reason. And so we need to figure out where where those guys can play other than the left-hand side because we're very overloaded on the left-hand side with only Theo Walcott, a natural right-sided player. So in my opinion, it just see what we have, try as many combinations as possible, seeing as how we're pretty much, I'd say, safe now from any sort of relegation threat. And that way we can kind of cull the squad over the summer and and continue to blood a lot of the youth players. Yeah. 
No, for sure. I'm excited. I think Everton has is a quality team. I've always thought that they were in that. They should always be in that Europa League discussion. I, I would suspect that they would just continue to reinforce that. And I, I agree. Well, again, Shay, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Cool. Thank you. Otherwise, go give Across the Pond a follow on Twitter at ATP Radio. Next up, James and I will cover an official Newcastle pre-match. All right, James. So we have Newcastle away from home this weekend on Saturday. How do you feel about that match coming up? feel a lot better than I did uh, before last Sunday. I think most fans and myself included took a lot of encouragement from the Derby performance. We are still going away to what will be a resolute and organized Newcastle side. And so it won't be an easy game. Of course, we drew them already earlier this season. And so I'm expecting a hard fought game. I'm expecting they're going to make us take our chances effectively, which is kind of a cliche thing to say, but Rafa Benitez is known to set up his sides in a very organized manner. And they're going to be really, he's going to make them really tough to beat like so many of the other lower table sides we've come across. Yeah. And unfortunately, Everton are, are not known for their effectiveness in front of goal this season either. So that's kind of a, a deadly combination, ain't it? Yeah, um, that's. I mean, that's of course the main area of concern is like we know that we have the ability to create chances. Can we finish those chances? And at some point, it might click. And I mean, it's not inconceivable to think we could score four against them, but it's also completely within the realm of possibility that we would have another nil nil or like a one nil loss, just because the finishing has been so abysmal in in almost every game this year. Yeah, so I think. I think we both feel the same way as, as most fans across the world, which is we got four points from the last two matches, or in other words, in the last week. And I'm hoping that the performance at home a couple of days ago against Liverpool is going to really spur us on. And hopefully we can see really just those energy levels from the players continue as we move forward. Yeah, it's the energy levels, it's the work rate, but it's also the confidence in the plan that has been laid out by the manager and the execution of said plan. I think there's been a lot of hesitancy in the Everton side over the last couple months. And I, and eventually you just got to get your head down, focus and play. And hopefully the Derby will serve as a springboard to which we can continue to, or, you know, continue that trend and just execute effectively, move the ball, get our wide players involved and create good chances, and hopefully the finishing, which hasn't been there all year, eventually will, will end up being uh, prevalent. So Shay obviously talked to to me about tactics, kind of how Newcastle usually set up, right? A five four one, and they really focus on Ron Don being their their focal point, which I wish we could say Everton had. So with with Newcastle playing quite wide, and now they have the addition of Miguel Almiron in the middle, who has made a really good impression thus far. Where do you think, or how do you think Everton are going to set up? Are are we going to change how we normally play in terms of of focusing out wide? Where do you think we can win the match? Well, the wide areas are going to be the the area of that are that's most heavily contested because Newcastle likes to play out there, and we like to play out there as well. With the five at the back. 
I do think there's an opportunity in the central midfield for us to kind of boss them, especially because they're going to concede a lot of possession to us. And so if we're able to effectively, you know, probe through the middle and then find the outlets out wide, find Luca Dean breaking down the wing, find Seamus Coleman on a little one, two and whoever's out on the wings. Now, you know who I'm picking for outside backs. No surprise there, but if we can find those outlets and make Newcastle have to continuously work and make them uncomfortable with and lose their shape, there's areas to exploit. So I think the key is going to be to come through the middle primarily. And then once they collapse to look out wide and then of course use our adaptability to cross the ball and hopefully there just might be someone in the box to finish it. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And and that's kind of been our issue. That's That was actually, this is kind of the exact same predicament we ran into against Liverpool because they heavily used their fullbacks as well. And so we saw the outside or the wings specifically really congested. And I thought actually our midfield had the better possession or more meaningful possession and didn't really allow them to play through the middle. So Hopefully, I'm thinking that we can kind of set up in the same way, um, maybe not as defensive-minded, but in a sense that, as you said, we're going to need to control, well, A, the tempo of the match itself, and B, the ball in the middle of the pitch, because overloading the wings, I'm going to have to assume that we can kind of take care of those situations, and that's, that's really we're going to have to just focus on nullifying Almiron driving forward. Right. Of course, we're not going to be playing as defensively minded as we would against Liverpool. And I think the team selection will hopefully reflect that. I think agree that we're going to have to control the tempo. We're going to control the possession. It's just about being purposeful with the possession and using it in a way that we're not just meandering the ball around our back four and afraid to pass the ball forward. It's going to be about the assertiveness, like can we come out early and grab the game by the scruff of the neck and just get them on the back foot early on, make them uncomfortable in their home stadium and carry on that momentum. And if we can get them a little bit uncomfortable, then there's, of course, weaknesses to exploit. This is not a great team. They will be well-organized. They will probably try to play on the break quite a bit, and I am a little concerned with the pace of Almiron and Rondon breaking forward because we have looked vulnerable at times and depending on the team selection that could come to be but it's about not over committing but still looking to play a very offensive game because I think that's the type of game that's the type of game plan we're going to need if we're going to win because we're going to need a lot of shots since our finishing is poor exactly and my my issue I think is we have not really performed well at all against three center backs barring the match against Burnley, but you know, that's, that's kind of a unicorn in terms of how that match played out and how utterly horrible they were. So how confident do you feel based on the form of Everton currently in the last week and week and a half with being able to break down not only a very organized side, but also a side with, with three center backs? Not is the best way to to phrase it. We're, Depending on what the striker choice is, we just don't have anyone that commands a lot of attention. We have players that will occupy space and run their tails off if if asked to do so, and maybe even win a few aerials, but there's no focal point at the front of our attack that's going to scare defenses and have to they're going to have to constantly be switched on. 
And I think that is really what makes it difficult because then they can worry a little bit more about the wingers. They can come out and step up to a Gilfie Sigurdsson who's playing at the number 10. That is a major area of concern. We don't have someone who can occupy that space and just cause defenses nightmares with their back to goal or getting the ball turning and attacking. And so I'm not totally confident that we're able, we're going to be able to break them down. But I think with the right attitude and if Marco Silva has done his homework, the right tactical setup, we can, we can put a few past Newcastle. I mean, they're nothing special. Okay. So with all that in mind, let's talk lineups. So I guess humor me, James. Obviously, we're always going to assume Jordan Pickford retains his spot in goal, but humor me and give me your preferred back line. You just can't switch it up, can you? I'm, I mean, Luca Dean, best player this season. I've said it time and time again, most consistent at the very least. The Seamus Coleman, or sorry, rather, Michael Keane and Kurt Zuma partnership gets stronger, and I'm more impressed with both of them every week, not just like individually because they're both having individually very good seasons, but they complement each other so well with Michael Keane playing the more traditional, big, burly, win stuff in the air. And then Kurt Zuma has the strength, but he also has the pace. So when Michael Keane is carrying the ball forward, there's not as much of a fear of the counterattack because Kurt Zuma has the pace, the recovery pace to, to get back and cut those types of things off. And so I think that that partnership is by far best. It's unfortunate that Yerry Mina has kind of just fallen out of the conversation. He's a valuable asset to us going forward. I I think probably the jump from Brazil to Barcelona to Everton, there's going to be some time that he needs to settle down. I think next season is going to be when we start to really see him come into his own. And then Seamus Coleman retains his place. A <laughs> rejuvenated performance in the Derby looks to be back near his best. It's a question of can that you know continue? Can he consistently maintain that high level? Because at his age, with of course the injury history, there has to be concerns about fatigue. And so I think if his confidence is back, no doubt Seamus Coleman goes in. Eloquently said per usual, James, I'd agree with all of your selections. As you said, you can't really change it, especially since uh, that's actually two clean sheets in a row. Although Jagielka was in for Kurt Zuma two matches ago, last Tuesday. So in the midfield, I guess I'll go first. I'd actually, I I have appreciated what Schneiderlin has come in to do. I think that Schneiderlin as a, as a specific holding defensive midfielder shows you how Marco Silva's teams are built to play. And Marco Silva, again, had said it in his first press conference with the club that that is the key position to his tactics and we just haven't had the personnel to do that. But with all that being said, I actually don't want to see him feature against Newcastle. We're away from home. I think we can expect to have most of the possession. Last time against Newcastle at home, we had 76%, which is ridiculous. That's a stupid number. And so we're going to need to just move the ball quickly. Andre Gomez came on against Liverpool and made an immediate impact. So what I'd really like to see is, is Ghana, obviously for his just never-ending energy, his bite. I'd like to see Andre Gomez in order to keep the ball moving quickly and transition play. And then lastly, but obviously not least, Gilfie Sigurdsson in the number 10 role, lighting it up per usual. How do you think about that? Totally agree. Schneiderlin would be an overly cautious pick. 
I agree with you. I appreciate the job he's done coming in, returning to the side after a long absence, and doing a admirable, if not outstanding, job in the in the job he was asked to do. But yeah, this is not the type of game where you need to both Ghana and Schneiderlin playing. Gomez slots in there. He's had now the 17 day rest plus the whatever two weeks now or a week and a half of additional rest, excluding the Derby uh, substitute performance. He should be fully rested, raring to go. And he brings exactly the type of versatility, creativity into the midfield that I think we're going to absolutely need in order to break uh, Newcastle down. And then I think if they, if him and Gilfie Sigurdsson can really link up, because that tends to be kind of an issue for us when we have Gomez and, and Sigurdsson. It seems like they don't really pass the ball to each other much. It's too much. It's a lot of Gomez going out wide or Sigurdsson receiving it from the wingers. Um, I'd like to see them develop a little more back and forth, some exchanges in the center of the park, and then maybe someone sprays it out wide. So totally agree with your your selection, and I think that's most likely what we can expect to see. Okay, so as is fair. I will give you first dibs on calling our front three then. You're too kind, sir. Uh, so for front three, you... Okay, so I think we all know what we're going to see on on Saturday. It's going to be Theo Walcott, first name on the team sheet, <laughs> right wing. Everton fans will be up in arms. How does he continue to get a start? How You can't... I think if Theo Walcott hasn't shown us it by now, we're not going to see it. There's just no switch that you can flick that's going to make Theo Walcott an outstanding or even average player. Can't fault his effort in most situations, but he drops to the bench for me. And then this might be a little preemptive of me to say, but I think Richarlison on the right, people are saying, you know, he can, he's proven that he can play on the right. It was a really short appearance. Whether he can continue that over 90 minutes, totally up in the air, but I would like to see anything that's not Theo Walcott. And I think if we can get Bernard, who is my other winger pick, and Richarlison on the field at the same time, they're probably our two best overall wingers. So theoretically, that should work, right? I mean, if this was FIFA, it would work. Of course, it's not. But that's my pick. And then up top, I'm going Calvert-Lewin. We talked about it in the post-match of the Derby. Did a really admirable job. Worked hard one aerials and though he's not the target man we or striker we need he's the one we've got and he's the one of the most potential so i think if we can continue to get him games that will be a positive overall for everton both this season and in seasons to come you know james i'm really surprised you didn't mention lookman at all have you given up at this point i'm kind of just resigned to the fact that until we hear otherwise i'm assuming he's not going to be in the match day squad i'd love to see him at least on the sub bed sub bench but just the the lack of information, the lack of any type of word on an injury just is a major red flag for me. So as much as it pains me to say it, because I think he has tremendous potential, I'm currently my I'm selling all the stock I have in Adam Lookman um, and taking whatever I can get for it. Well, otherwise, I'm going to agree with your front three, Bernard, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. As you already alluded to, Richarlison has not proved he can play on the right. But as I told Shay earlier, the rest of the season is really just about putting performances together with the right attitude and then figuring out what we have and where players can play. So, you know, he made a pretty positive impact on the right-hand side when he came on against Liverpool. And I'd like to see him given the start on the right-hand side and 
see if he can at least become a little more comfortable. So to wrap it up, James, let's hear your score prediction. Well, I predicted a loss in the Derby and we ended up with a draw. I'm not going to be quite as pessimistic this time, but I am going to be conservative and I'm going to say we squeak by with a 1-0 win and I'll take the three points. What about you? I'm actually, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a 2-1 win. I think we might, I think we might get a little bit ahead of ourselves in terms of holding a lot of the possession. I think that they have quite a bit more dynamism with Miguel Almiron in the squad. So I think they might actually wipe our clean sheet streak going. But I also think that we are much more confident on the ball. Our attackers look it. Our fullbacks look it. Our midfielders, Gilfie Sigurdsson's in fantastic form. And so I think that we can put a couple past them. I like that prediction. I'd love to see multiple. I'd love to see multiple goals. I would prefer a clean sheet over us having to, you know, score two to win. But regardless... Both of us predicting a win generally means that we're set up to be disappointed, but I'm holding out hope. We will catch you guys on Saturday with our post-match reaction. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.